Blog Talk Radio. As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of colour? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Dock Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. As always, I am your host, Zanman Shane Subunia, along with my buddy, the Honorable Jeff, on the other end of the line here. Hello. And uh, usually uh, we kind of roll, we kind of like start talking about a few things happening in the wrestling world before we roll into the main topic. But just like the last couple of weeks, I'm just going to kind of fire right out. And uh, I don't know how long my voice is going to hold up tonight. I've been sick and uh, I was doing training all day today, uh, conducting training, I should say. And uh, my throat's kind of raw, and my voice is kind of—I feel it's like it's iffy. I don't know if I don't know if you guys can tell that or not. But here's the thing: Jay Lethal continues to be the worst Ring of Honor World Champion of all fucking time. And they did a—they did some really weird shit with uh, Jay Lethal and Matt Taven at uh, the anniversary show, the 17th anniversary show on Friday night. I was super fired up that night now because of the sickness and uh, the time passed. I'm, I'm not as fired up as I probably should be about it, but um, it was really, really weird the, what they did. And for those of you who didn't see it, there was supposed to be a, uh, a tag team match on the show between the Kingdom that are not Matt Taven, so Vinnie Marsalia and TK O'Ryan, taking on two members of... Um, I want to say heartthrob, but I know that's not right. Heartline or something. <laughs> yeah, I, you don't I, you don't remember it either. Yeah. No. Um, anyway, um, you know they were supposed to be Tracy Williams and um, Mark Haskins. We're well, actually looking forward to seeing them as a team and, and see work together against the Kingdom. But that, along with the other match they announced at the last minute or the last week or so, um, ah, which, like which blood, like blood, yeah, which was which was Silas Young. Uh, against Jonathan Gresham did not actually occur on the show. So why they bothered announcing him in the last week, I have no fucking idea. Um, but they were supposed to come out, and instead Matt Taven came out and said that he couldn't wait any longer. You know, he couldn't wait an hour for the, for the main event of the show. He wanted Jay Lethal right then because he couldn't stand Lethal being called the world champion 
that uh, the title that he lays claim to, as the, you know, he claims he's the real world champion. So the two proceed to get into a great match. They're going back and forth. They're about 20, 25 minutes into it. I would say more like 22 probably. And all of a sudden, these red balloons pop up from, from beneath the ring. And Jay Lethal gets distracted by these, of course. And it's Vinny Marcellia, of course. And he and TK Orion, um, basically they storm the ring. TK, uh, or excuse me, Marcellia hits, uh, I think it's Marcellia, hits a baseball bat right upside the head of Lethal while the referee is distracted. Uh, Haskins and um, Williams come out to, to chase them off. And then Taven hits a low blow on Lethal, hits the climax, and bam, new world champion, right? No, because this is Ring of Honor, and they keep making this, and they keep making boneheaded decisions about the world championship over the last, what, eight, nine months now? And so instead, Lethal kicks out of a low blow, excuse me, a bat to the head, a low blow, and the climax. And they, go, they proceed to wrestle for another 38 minutes or so. And the match ends in a time limit draw. And so we have the announcer selling. Phil should be um, out of his game because he's not starting the match when he expected to. He's starting the match when Taven wanted to. He gets hit with a bat in the head and a low blow and then a finishing move. Then he puts himself through a ladder. And then Taven hits him with like five or six just the tip knee shots to the head. And he still can't pin Jay Lethal. Now, granted, Lethal hit his finishing move on Taven and couldn't pin him either. But Taven hit his frog splash. He hit the climax a couple of times. He hit just the tip like six times. And he still can't beat Jay Lethal when he, when he had every single advantage. And, and everybody and, kicks out of the first, uh, first lethal injection anyway. Oh, no, Jeff. You, know, you heard the announcers say that it's only handled by less than a handful of people. Really? You know, they're, 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 those, those of us watching must just be wrong about that shit. Yeah, I We must just be seeing weird. I mean, our, our glasses must all be blurry. Just a couple things before I forget. The reason why that Gresham match didn't happen is because Gresham was injured in the original melee with the kingdom. He came out to Jay Lethal's aid and then got his knee beat up, and then that's what brought out Lifeblood. Oh, right. He was out there first, wasn't he? I forgot, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. And then there was... The, to kind of piggyback on what you're saying here, then I'm going to shut up and let you finish talking. But um, if it had ended after that low blow in the climax, after all the shenanigans happened, and it, this is one of the rare times when I'm okay with all the shenanigans. I mm-hmm. thought it fit perfectly. It set up stories going forward. It fit Taven's character to a T, and this would have put him over as a huge, huge, huge heel at the top of the card that people would be chasing, which is always, I mean, you always want the heel at the top and the, and the baby face chasing, but, and had the match ended at that point, I probably would have had it four and a half stars at least maybe five, maybe five. If you factor in the, all the outside um, stuff leaving, leading up to it. But the, as soon as lethal kicked out of that, I just wanted to shut it off. At that point I was, I didn't want to watch anymore, and it went on for another 40 minutes. I remember saying to you at one point, I sent you a text saying, this match would have been amazing had it ended 20 minutes ago. 
Right. And then uh, 20, it, 20 minutes after that, it was still going. Exactly. Yeah, it was. It, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm after this one, I'm right on you with, the, you know, I've been a fan of lethal for years. I, I haven't thought that his title reign while it was lacking heat. And while it's hard to put him up there with people like Nigel and uh, Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe and, and even Tyler black, it's, I didn't think he was a horrible, horrible champion. Not, not to the extreme you did, but after watching the way that they protected him and made him look like a world beater, I, I can't get behind Jay Lethal anymore. I just can't. That was, that was a horrible, horrible ending to what could have been probably the match of the night, probably the match of the year in Ring of Honor. Everything that you just said was true. I mean, I mean, you and you and I have have kind of you and I. I think each each think that Lethal has had one great match during his championship run, which is not which which obviously makes it a you know not a very good reign by Ring of Honor standards. And and that was you know I thought it was the match against um, Will Osprey. You thought it was the match against Cody at uh, a final battle. And exactly. And and I'm not going to say that this match was bad. I still think it was good, um, but it wasn't as great as it as it would have been if it in, in a twenty minutes room. There was still a lot of great stuff in it. Um, it, it. But you know, I mean, when a guy keeps keeps kicking out after move after move after move that's devastating him, on the night when the other guy should have been made as a world champion monster heel, um, you really have to wonder whether Hunter Johnson lost his mind or not. Um, I do understand the appeal of winning a major championship at Madison Square Garden. However, here's the thing. Now Taven has proven he can't beat Jay Lethal on his own. It took, it, we went 60 minutes, and he couldn't beat him. After months of claiming he was the real world champion because he had Lethal pinned in the middle of the ring in like, what, 10 minutes or something. Wasn't it Dalton Castle? Uh, Dalton Castle, you're right. Sorry, I forget. I've been Dalton Castle in the ring for like for like ten minutes. Um, and Lethal actually won. And actually, uh, Taven won this match at like the fifteen or sixteen minute mark when when Lethal had him in a, a bow and arrow, and his mats and his shoulders were down on the mat. And Todd Gordon didn't count the four or five seconds that uh, Lethal had his shoulders mat. I just want to point that out because because uh, really Taven won this match too. But um, my point remains that this was Taven's night to win the championship. Um, yes, it's not, it's not winning it at Madison Square Garden, but it is beating the champion in the middle of the ring one-on-one. And now, anytime he, wins the, anytime he wins the championship or beats Lethal in the future in a title match, it's going to feel like a make good. And it shouldn't. This should have been the crowning moment for Matt Taven. And now, not only if he wins the title at Madison Square Garden, will it involve one other person, but now he won't even be pinning anybody to win the championship because the match is now a ladder match at G1 Supercard. Um, I think it's going to be a great match. I really do. That's not the point. The, the and, I, and I realize that if Taven wins it, or Skrull wins it, they'll, they'll be on the biggest stage possible at Madison Square Garden. Again, not the point. The point is, there was a story they were telling, there was a perfect end to that story, and, and to launch a new one, and they went the wrong way just because 
in my opinion, they want Jay Lethal to be in that main event match at Madison Square Garden. Whether he's earned it or not is debatable in my mind. And and for them and for them to just to just kind of make the wrong storyline decision just to put their guy that they apparently think is God's gift into the main event at Madison Square Garden is bullshit. This should be Matt Taven with his first title defense defending against Marty Skrull, in which case it would be the number one heel in the company against the number one face in the company, which is what a main event match should be built on. Well, isn't Marty already tied up with a rematch with Okada during that? I'd heard rumors about how he's not cashing in at G1 Supercard. No, they they even announced it today on our on our which YouTube channel that oh. uh, Taven and Skrull and uh, Letha were, were all in the ring and Letha, and Taven didn't want a triple threat because he didn't want to lose his title to just because Lethal pinned Skrull or vice versa and Skrull agreed with that and so Lethal proposed a, a ladder match so now it's a ladder match a three way ladder match at MSG for the ROH World Championship and whoever wins. Um, would not be satisfying. I mean, if Skrull wins, great. He finally won a world championship, but he didn't win it by pinning somebody. If Taven wins, great. He won a world championship, but he didn't do it by pinning somebody. And if Letha wins, fuck Ring of Honor. Seriously. Um, I, I'm really at the point right now where I can't even watch them anymore. I'm not going to watch their road to the to G1 Supercard. I'm not going to watch their television product. I'm not going to watch them again until G1 Supercard. And if they make the wrong decision again, I don't know when the next time I, will, I watch them will be. I am just this fed up of, bring, of Jay Lethal being the world champion when he never should have won the fucking title in the first place. And certainly not the way he, that he did win it. Um, you and I have talked before, and you brought up that you know maybe if he had been built up a little more towards the championship, it would have made sense, and he would have been a good champion. And I don't dispute that. It, it definitely could have, have changed the narrative and, and changed what I, the way I feel about it. But the way it is right now, in my opinion, Jay Lethal has the worst ROH world title reign of all time. That includes the, the 30 days that, uh, or the 30, 31 days or whatever it was that uh, um, Kyle O'Reilly Kyle held the championship and then dropped it at Wrestle Kingdom. It includes the one-month reigns by James Gibson and CM Punk. Um, it, even, it even includes Adam Cole's first reign. Um, this has just been a boring, dry championship run that for the first time ever I'm just thinking how long until you're going to make this guy drop the title and clearly the answer is not soon enough um, honestly I, I mean I was really excited for G1 Supercard when it was announced but the more things get added to it the less excited I am for it like I said I think that, I think well, that, that three way ladder match is going to be great but at the same time it feels like the wrong match to me no, it and, should have been. It should have been Skrull versus Taven. Yeah, it, so, it absolutely should have been. And if they wanted Lethal in the main event, they could have figured out some way to make that happen. Um, well, they did. Well, no, but I mean, they could have figured out a different way to make that happen. Like he could have cashed in his rematch clause or something after Taven beat Skrull in the beginning of the night or something like that. You know, there there's many ways around it. They could have pulled a Daniel Bryan situation. You know, and there's a lot of things they could have done. But the other thing, too, and I I think we've kind of run this into the ground. We both feel the same way about it. It was a bad decision. It was horrible. Another thing, though, that is making me not want to watch G1 Supercard, 
why do I care that Brody King and PCO are going to face the gorillas of destiny? The Briscoes had a built-in storyline with their um, latest whatever it was with the with God at the I can't even remember what event it was. New beginning. Um, they, no, it was it was one of the uh, global or not global. Yeah, on a rising curve. Okay, yeah. Were they? I mean, they had a feud building. They came out, challenged each other. You had the top tag team in you know, Ring of Honor in the history of Ring of Honor and the Briscoes going up against Gorillas of Destiny, it was, that was a main event type match. And now we've got Brody King and PCO with absolutely no story, no drive, no reason to be in this up against Gorillas of Destiny. It's, it pulled, those two, those two matches have pulled me out of G1. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I what what I expected, and I think you and I talked about this last week, was that PCO and Brody King would win, and then the Briscoes would still face G.O.D., and then King and um, PCO would defend against somebody else. But that's not how they set it up. They set it up so whoever was the champion, you know, champions of one organization would face the champions of the other organization. I, and I think that's really kind of dumb, honestly. Yeah, um, I mean, they... and, and the and the other thing is that that it that it seems to leave, and, and of course we don't know what the result of um, what Sonata's result in the New Japan Cup is going to be yet. We can certainly suspect he's not going to win it. So it also leaves the best tag team over the last couple of years in New Japan pro wrestling either out in the cold or in a stupid eight-man tag or a ten-man tag when really it could have been Evil and Sonata against PCO and Brody King and the Briscoes against G.O.D. You know, I mean... To me, the, those matches would have made a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah, they would have made a lot more sense. Um, <laughs> I mean, the rest of this card, the Skrull King match was nothing special. I, I mean, I was entertained like I always am with Marty Skrull, but Kenny King just felt flat. Jeff Cobb, Shane Taylor was the beatdown we expected it was going to be. Well, not beatdown, but just the hard-hitting match we expected it to be. I didn't even watch the Kelly Klein match. I was so disappointed, and I figured she wasn't going to win anyway, so I just didn't even bother. Um and then the Roosh versus Bandito, that was a fun match. It was supposed to be a palate cleanser, but I actually felt like it was better than the Lethal Taven match. When all was said and done. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I um, loved that match. It was, it was a lot of fun. And, and, uh, and fun fact, it was actually the second time, or the first time that weekend that I saw somebody do the spiral tap that wasn't AJ Styles. And, and, I, and I, saw it, I saw it again last night. So. Oh, did it? Yeah, I saw it, I saw it on, a, on an MLW episode also. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, no, I haven't gotten there. I'm, now I'm an episode behind you because you jumped ahead. I'm on 36. You said, you said we were going to start at, at uh, the beginning of 2019. Yeah, you were. I was because I was only like three episodes away, so I was just going to continue watching. You know, I might have started with episode 36. I might have been wrong about that because I, I did see after I finished it that it said, now playing episode 37. So I either watched 38 or 36 last night. Did you it, watch it, it the... Was, it, was the, it was the one with Tom Lawler taking on Simon Gotch. Okay, yeah, then you started at 36, so... Okay. Yeah, that, that's the last one. Then there's a Christmas special, and then it goes to 37. Okay. Yeah, so so I guess I'm, I'm at the very end of 2018 rather than um, Red Beating in 2019, but, you know, close enough. Yeah, and I mean that's right where I am too. And it's kind of right at the start of the of the uh, low key and Tom Lawler feud too. So, 
Well, it's it's about halfway in. The low-key Tom Lawler feud has been going on for about, I want to say, since October. Oh, since wow. You, since you won Battle Riot. Okay. Um, well, no, then it would have been longer than that. But ever since he won Battle Riot, they've had an on-again, off-again feud where um, Selena Del Toro... What's her name? Selena Del Toro? Is that her name? Um, something like that. I don't remember. But she, uh, she keeps she's, setting she's up... She's just Selena. Yeah, she keeps setting up uh, Tom Lawler to get attacked and beaten. First, Sammy Callahan came in, then they had a Chicago street fight with Lawler against Callahan, which was actually pretty good. Then they had a... Um, then Simon Gotch turned on on Tom Lawler by leading him to a quote-unquote press conference, which was just an empty room with all of Selena's henchmen in it, including Loki and Ricky Ricky Vega, as Conan likes to call him. Um, yeah, so yeah, they showed they showed a clip of that on on the show I watched last night. Yeah, so I mean, it's it it's been going on for quite a while, and in between it, I mean, Lawler's had his little, you know, like you said, he had his his running with. Sammy Callahan, but he's mainly been focusing on on low key since he won Battle Riot. Um, the Simon Gotch twist was kind of interesting. Uh, low key has been he's had a few rematches with Shane Strickland. Shane Strickland has gone completely off the reservoir, you know. So there's a, I mean there's a lot of stuff that you missed, but no, nothing that you won't be able to get caught up on. Um, the I'm, one pretty sure, thing, I'm pretty sure Shane Strickland was involved. That you can't really term it that I would that I missed it. I may not have seen it, but there's no way I would have. I missed it. No, I'm not. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking more about the Tom Lawler stuff, because there's a reason why Tom Lawler has become one of my favorites, and it's just been his the way he's portrayed himself over the last four or five months in MLW that I've watched. Um, and then of course Teddy Hart won the uh, won the middleweight championship the episode before you saw it, so he's now the middleweight champion, and. Uh, I would recommend going back a couple episodes and watching the Roosh versus Sammy Guevara match. It was incredible. Oh, yeah, that's definitely something I should watch. Other than, you know, just storyline stuff to pick out of the last few. I mean, of course, anytime Lucha Bros are on, it's, it's something to watch. Um, the L.A. Park stuff is entertaining. But other than that, you really don't miss much except for a few storyline tidbits. Was L.A. Park actually on the show? Because the show I watched, it had, it had El, El Hijo de L.A. Park, but not actually yeah. L.A. Park on it. That's his, that's his son. And I realized that. That's what there, I'm saying is, is I there, haven't seen L.A. Park actually on there, but I saw El Hijo, El Hijo de L.A. Park. Yeah, they're, they're a tag team. L.A. Park, oh. is, LA Park is still an animal. He's, he's still insane. Um, yeah, he's insane. Yeah, and I, I thought his son was really good. I mean, we we did see him in in one of the uh, maybe both of the CMLL shows that we watched, and it, and he didn't he didn't impress me anywhere near as much as he did in the match on MLW. No, I agree. I, I he's gotten he went, much better, much much say, better. Well, I was gonna say he might be better suited to um, American style wrestling than Lucha Libre. Also, that could be part right. of it. Well, L.A. Park was for a long time. They're setting up right now a Roosh versus L.A. Park um, program, considering that that's a, a, a runover from CMLL. I saw where, that, yeah. Where Roosh and, uh, and L.A. Park, I guess, are bitter enemies. Yeah, I'm sure they are. It is fun watching, cause, and you'll see it in the Sammy Guevara match, but you see a lot of Tetsuya Naito's 
swag and charisma and movements and things he does, you you can tell where he got it. He's literally doing a Roosh impersonation. You know what I find funny about Roosh and uh, you know the he has so he has so, he has so much great offense he does, right? And and he he's just a fantastic wrestler, and yet he finishes off people with a running drop kick into the corner. It, yeah. It's it's just such a weird. And it's dichotomy, even, dichotomy between what he actually does when he's wrestling and what he does to finish a match. It's not even a real drop kick. It's like a one-legged something. I'm not really sure, but it's yeah. better than the pile driver that he had the first couple times I saw him. The pile driver was his finisher there for a while. That's still a more impactful move than a drop kick to the face. Yeah. Well, look at the Claymore. <laughs> that got over somehow. That's not. And it's, not the, and it's not the Claymore. It's the Claymore kick, as Michael Cole calls it. Oh, my God. That man could screw up a... Just like it's, a just like it's not the Khmer. It's the Khmer lock. Oh, my God. Why? Why? Why does he have to do that? I don't know. I, and I, I just can't stand Michael Cole. So <coughs> Anyway, so let's, get, let's get back to the show we were talking about. So, so yeah, so Roosh versus Bandito was... was I thought it was an excellent match, actually. But, but, to, but to me... Um, the extraordinary match, and this this is coming, going to come as no surprise given my my feeling about Shane Taylor. But I I thought Shane Taylor versus Jeff Cobb was just awesome. Those guys just beat the living hell out of each other, and for once they it, it actually looked like a guy had Jeff Cobb's number and was about to beat him, and he even and he even survived the very first um, tour around the islands. It was about to get up when Cobb just kind of looked at him and went what the fuck, and then hit him with a, with a second one that finished him off. But, I mean, we, we saw Cobb do two of them in a row to Hangman Page at Final Battle, but that was just more for emphasis, it seemed like, not because he needed to. This one, it was like Cobb didn't kick out of the, um, of the Tour of the Islands, but he did start kind of getting up, and Cobb's like, uh, I think I'll try this one more time, and finally finished him off. But I thought both guys were fantastic in that match. It was a great... Um, battle of two big guys, and um, I would have loved to see Taylor take the title, but I certainly understand, you know, keeping it on Cobb and keeping his, his undefeated streak going too. But it's just it's just a classic example of um, a guy losing but still being put over very strong. See, and I um, this is what I was talking to you about during final battle. I honestly I think I like the Hangman Page versus Cobb match better than the Cobb versus Taylor. It they were such similar matches but the difference was in the way the story was told leading up to it Jeff Cobb leading up to Hangman Page's match he was crushing people in two minutes after that all of a sudden he gets beat around a little bit by Evil then he gets kicked around a little bit by Shane Taylor then Rocky Romero brings the fight to him then he gets just devastated on TV by Shane Taylor and Bubba or Bully Ray so you had more of a vulnerable Jeff Cobb going into this. So Shane Taylor looked more like a world beater and it was more believable than it was when page did the same match, almost literally the same match three months ago. Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, you, you and I both really liked that match too. Um, oh, I love I'm, that match. I'm, I'm, and, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not, and I'm not necessarily saying that I thought this match was better than that match. But I, th- I still thought you know they were both awesome, and they're probably round on the same level. Yeah. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I, I wouldn't agree that they're the same match, though. Well, I mean, similar. 
they they aren't because Shane Taylor just can't do what Paige does in the ring. So I well, mean, and, never... and, well, and vice versa. Vice versa. Yeah. You know, you know Hangman Page cannot be a, a world-beating dominator like Shane Taylor can. But I mean, but I mean, you and I talked about after the, um, I think it was after the Death Before Dishonor show, or maybe, no, I think it was actually during the um, the 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 Global Wars tour or one of those that. Shane Taylor was reminding both of us of Samoa Joe. And I don't right. think he did anything in this match whatsoever to to uh, dissuade me from that opinion. I mean, he still looks like Samoa Joe from 2005 to 2006 to me. I mean, obviously he wrestles a little bit different, but he's got the same attitude. He's got the same edge. He's got the same, I don't, I don't know. I guess probably attitude and edge is, is probably the way, to, the way to put it. The same hunger, I guess, that Samoa Joe had at that time. And... I just think he's awesome, and I think he's really going to be something. And, and and I think that he and Cobb put together a great match when maybe a lot of people coming in would would have been like, not you or me, because you you were you were you and me know how good Shane Taylor is. But I think a lot of people coming in would have walked away with that match impressed with Shane Taylor and surprised at how good it really was. Yeah, probably. I, I I'm I don't want to say that it's. I just thought it was more of a a similar match to the hangman page. Cause outside of evil has anybody really been in the ring with Cobb that could stand toe to toe other than Taylor and page. If you look at the three of them, it, it's just, I thought that the build up to it was different with the way that Jeff Cobb looked vulnerable. So it made it look more like Shane Taylor had a chance to win this than it did uh, when page did the same thing. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he they probably couldn't keep him looking like Goldberg after yeah. after with the, through the way that he rolled over um, Punishment Martinez, and then he did the same thing to Eli Isom, and then um, oh, and yeah, poor but, Punishment but, but Martinez. I mean, but I mean, but I mean that before we, uh, but you're, I mean, you're right. I mean, bef- before this match, his last title defense that I, I think was against Rocky Romero, and Romero, um, you know, was was even you know doing some stuff to him that that was just kind of ridiculous and really, you know, was pretty much unbelievable. Yeah. Right. So, so, I mean, so, I mean, they, they kind of had to taper down his dominance, but I think it also makes sense over time that a champion, you know, that, like they've talked about so much on, on uh, new Japan with Okada is that, you know, the longer championship reign goes, the more you're going to get worn down because you're taking everybody's best shots. Plus he came into this match. Didn't he come in this kind of injury to this match too? Yeah, it was um, an injury he got from Shane Taylor. Okay. When he when he got beat down on on TV a couple of weeks ago. Oh, okay. But I, but I know he came with an injury too, which would also which would also make it uh, a more competitive match for any for any one of his opponents. Right. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna mean, be interesting. To, it's gonna be interesting to see what he does, what he and uh, Will Osprey put together in uh, Madison Square Garden. I'm looking really forward to it. To be honest with you, that's one of the few matches that I still have left on that card that I'm actually looking forward to. Yeah, and uh, and I and I think I kind of lost my interest in the main event, honestly, when Kota Ibushi lost to Zack Sabre Jr. this weekend. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know who to, who's going to come out of that now. I honestly don't. They do such the he, uh, the heel well, I think, versus. Well, well, I think it's either going to be Tanahashi or Okada, and I and I really don't want to see those two against each other. Him facing either one of those guys this this quickly, you know, I mean. Ibushi's out, and Naito's out. 
there's no other face on the on the card that's believable. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would love for them to push Sonata to the top like that to be the, you know to meet up at Madison Square Garden, but that's not going to happen. So I mean, so I mean, so I mean, to me, there's only it's only either Okada or Tanahashi that's going to come out of this. It's the only two that can because they're the only two that and it's with the way Okada has looked. I just have this odd feeling it's going to be him. I think they're rushing what should be the main event of uh, Wrestle Kingdom. I think they're trying to get it here at the G1 Supercard. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I mean, yes, Zack Sabre Jr. is still undefeated in, in New Japan Cup, but I really don't think they're going to put Zack Sabre Jr. against um, White in the do, main event. New Japan does not do heel versus heel, ever, unless it's stable mates. Yeah, I mean, or unless it's happening like in the G1. Yeah. Not, not G1 it, Supercard either, G1 Climax. Right. Yeah, they don't... They don't get too many of them in the New Japan Cup either, do they? It's very rarely heel versus heel. Yeah, I've, I've seen it before, but I'm, but I'm trying to... Well, I guess technically Sonata versus Suzuki was... Um, which is the match of the year, by the way. Was, uh, was heel versus heel. I mean, not nah, LAJ is, is a face faction now. Are they all face, though? I don't know. Who on there isn't? Shingo is about the only one, and even he has been. He hasn't been as evil as he was in, um, I, I can't think of, in, in Noah. Well, Bushi sprays people in the face with mist. That's pretty much a heel, heel action. Dude. Yeah, but remember, um, uh, Tajiri did the same thing, and people loved him. Yeah, that's a point. So it's not as big a heel move as it used to be. It's still really ridiculous, though. Now, when you spit whiskey in somebody's face, now that's a heel move. Well, it depends whether you, whether they have their mouth open or not to to drink it. You know, well, I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm fine with drinking whiskey secondhand. Not like it, not like it once it's passed through the you know the the lower body parts, but you know. Let's I'm move on. Abs- I'm absolutely <laughs> disturbed at this moment. <laughs> so let, let's just focus, let's just talk a little bit more about uh, about uh, the end of 70th anniversary show. So, um, what did you think of the tag team match? I mean, th- that ended up being the main event, the tag team title match. I thought it was what I expected it to be. Um, okay, I mean, so what did I, you expect it to be then? Any match that has PCO in it is going to be just insane. And the Briscoes have no problem coming up to that level. So it was what we thought it was going to be. It was just ridiculous move after ridiculous move after ridiculous move. My only problem with it was how can a 50-plus-year-old man take those insane kind of shots, including um, getting his spine basically broken on the ring apron, and still wait, come wait, back wait, 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 wait! You're calling him a man, but he's not human. I, I don't know what he is. It's just, it's, it's rough. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're supposed to believe that he really is indestructible, and that, I mean, that's, I mean, obviously, we're not going to believe that because we're thinking human beings, and and, and we often use logic. Um, we being me, of course, but, right. um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the match itself I mean, was was good for what it was. I hated the stipulation um, 
with them facing Grills of Destiny. Uh, I, I hated the fact that PCO just, he, that dude's going to die in the ring. He, he's going to. He's going to, he, he's going to do something stupid and he's going to die in the ring. Well, if he does, at least, he, at least it, will be, it will be well earned. Very good point. Because he, because he does not get cheated out there. No, he does not. He, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody take those that sick of bumps ever. I, uh, we'd have to go back to ECW, maybe Combat Zone Wrestling, some of the young kids coming up nowadays. But I can't remember the last time I saw somebody take that kind of punishment. Martinez. You think? No, no, nothing. No, I'm, I'm no. just. I was just finishing your sentence for you. Punishment oh. Martinez. Oh, okay. Speaking of punishment Martinez, what a horrible life decision that man made. Leaving leaving Ring of Honor? He was a dominating champion who got embarrassed in his last match of Ring of Honor, showed up in one match on NXT over, what, the last six to eight months? And he lost that to Matt Riddle. Was it Matt Riddle? It was Matt Riddle. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, don't know if he showed up there or not since then, but yeah. The, no, he has But his debut match was definitely losing to Matt Riddle. And he has not been on TV since. Well. What a poor life decision he made. <laughs> well, we can't really say that. We don't. We don't know what kind of money he's making or anything like that. Yeah, that's a good point. So he he could be being well compensated for his stupid mistakes, you know. But <laughs> but uh, as, as far as his tag team title this tag team title match, it probably is my second favorite tag match of the year so far. Um, behind... So? Yeah, well, I mean, what what all do we have to choose from so far? I mean, I mean to me, to me, this is this is behind the obvious tag team, tag team match of the year, which which was uh, Mustache Mountain taking on the um, oh, the Grizzled Young Veterans. Yeah, but, but you're, also, you're forgetting Shingo and Bushi versus uh, um... Rapunge 3K, which was a really good match too. You're right. I am forgetting that one. So, okay. So third, third best match, tag match of the year then. I mean, I, I still have to give um, Mustache Mountain the match from that first UK show as the number one, but it, it, close behind it's that Lij versus Rapunge 3K to me. Yeah, I agree. I, I had forgotten about that match somehow. So yeah, good call on that one. But I mean, this one, this one to me was just a, a street fight. It it was what I what we expected it to be. It was what when you look at the Briscoes, we just got this out of the Briscoes at Final Battle. The exact same, not the exact same match, but you know, similar type of situation happening. And PCO is just a detriment to himself every time he's out there. The only one that doesn't seem to fit in this mold is Brody King. He doesn't no, seem no, no, he's, he's definitely more of a wrestler than the other guys are. Yeah, he doesn't seem, I mean, I could see him possibly as a brawler, but not to the extent of these other three. He is more, like you said, more of a wrestler than anything. Yeah, he is. And um, and as you know, that you know, I, I'm a big fan of Jay Lethal. I really think he should be the, uh, he's, like I've said many times on this show, he's the Jay that should be the world champion, not uh, that other guy. Oh, thank you for clarifying that, because you said Jay Lethal. <laughs> oh, did I? Yeah. 
No, no, Jay Jay Briscoe is the guy that should be the champion, not the other Jay. When you said you were a big fan of Jay Lethal, I dropped my water on the floor. Well, I was a big fan of Jay Lethal back in 2016 when he was when he was the television champion. Yeah, when he was a heel champ, that was a that was an amazing run. That was one of those. I remember saying to you that he made uh, I can't remember who it was. Was it Adam Cole? Look like a superstar. Yes, yes, you did, and that you was know, not, and that was not easy at the time. No, because at the time Adam Cole was really, really green. He was, he was fairly green, and and I mean, really, he's one of the few guys that you can look that you can look at that came to uh, NXT, and he actually is better now than he was when he was on when he was on the Indies. Well, I think I, you can say that about a lot of them. I, I, I think um, Adam Cole's the prime example, but pretty much everybody in Undisputed Era has benefited by being there. You think so? Uh, Kyle O'Reilly has, we talked about it last year, about how Kyle O'Reilly is a completely different guy than he was when he was in Ring of Honor. Oh, no, I agree about Kyle O'Reilly, but I'm, but I'm wondering more about um, Bob Rod- well, Bobby I, I, Fish. I, I, don't, I don't think Bobby Fish is any better in NXT than he was on the Indies. But you have to realize he also missed what six months with that injury. So I mean, he's he's just getting back into his groove. I think he'll find it again. Um, Roderick Strong really has benefited quite a bit. He's um, actually. He's actually brought out a personality with him, which I don't, never thought he had before. I suppose that's a fair point. His personality before was pretty much um, Truth Martini. So. <laughs> that's <is> true. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> oh, wow. But, but, uh, I mean, but, but I mean, if you think about it, that was also, you know, lethal. You know, I mean, lethal, when he showed his worst personality, it was, he, he was also a part of um, the House of Truth. Right, but he, you know, you know, he you when, he, when, when he was ROH World Television Champion, it was he he did not you know do that all by himself. He had Tooth Martini there as his, um, I don't know, his spiritual advisor or whatever the fuck he was. But you he know? was he still had the he still had the mic skills that Roderick Strong did not have. I mean, back then, there when he was the heavyweight champion and um, Truth Martini was his was his coach or whatever they were claiming him to be his spiritual leader. I, I, I think even if you watch those interviews, those were all Jay lethal. Yeah. He, I think, I think you're right. I think it was life coach. He was actually, because Sorry, he was, he was a, um, I, he wasn't, he wasn't front and center with Jay lethal. He was kind of the background guy. Um, where with Roderick Strong, he was definitely the guy that was that was running the show. Hmm. That's that's probably true. Actually, you might want to go back. I, I would say just go back and watch some of the uh, some of the promos because I thought that's when Jay Lethal was at his best. Was when he was a heel with Truth Martini. He put on some of the best promos I think I've ever seen out of the guy. Oh yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. I mean, definitely, definitely working with Martini brought that out of him. I'm, I'm just I'm, what I'm what I'm kind of wondering. The reason I said hmm is I'm kind of wondering, is that where Lethal started being, you know, able to do that kind of promo? Because I don't really remember him doing it that well when he was um, no in, in TNA. Not until you know, he started you know, mocking. Not until he started mocking Ric Flair. 
right. when he when he started doing his Ric Flair impersonation is when he actually kind of came out of the closet and that turned him into Black Machismo, which you know wait, that's wait, wait, where he came out of the closet. Are you suggesting that Jay Lethal's gay? No, but his personality kind of came forefront. I guess is what I should have said. Oh, um, so his, oh, so his personality is gay, but he's not. Wow. Wow. No, I mean, he, even with his... Uh, what do you have against gay people, Jeff? His tag team... Ba- settle down, man. Jesus. Uh, his tag team with Consequences Creed, he wasn't even the... Fl- and I don't want I don't want... Now you got me watching my words. Uh, he wasn't as... Were you going to and point and then backed off of it? He's, That's yeah. hilarious. That is really yeah. hilarious. I really was. <laughs> he wasn't as uh, outspoken and charismatic when he, when even when he was in that tag team. That was mainly uh, Creed. That was the the outspoken one. And it wasn't until Ric Flair came around that he actually developed that personality. But his stuff with Truth Martini was still light years ahead of that. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, and it, you know, so I so I wonder how much of that was um, just lethal maturing, and how much of it was actually working with Martini. I'm sure I'm sure there's a factor in, in there's some of that you know factored into, into all of it. I'm just wondering you know how much was actually lethal, um, you know, naturally just naturally you know growing into that, and how much of it was support from Truth Martini. Uh, I guess I don't know. It, yeah. It's it's possible that they finally just he finally was just trusted to talk. You know, well, once he once he had the mic, he just let himself go. That, that's possible too. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, so um, yes, yeah, so you you apparently weren't as enamored with this uh, tag match as I was. But uh, the Las Vegas street fight, no. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was mainly because of the the result. Once they announced that it was they were going to face God, I I think I lost. The result just knocked it down so much that it disappointed me. It's the same thing with the Lethal Taven match. The result and that 40 minutes too long, it took that match, to, in my mind, from being a four-and-a-half to five-star match down to maybe a three. Well, you know, that's a good way to lead, to lead into um, the discussion you and I, you know, didn't really, we didn't really have a discussion, but you kind of started a discussion with me earlier, and I just didn't have time to actually talk to you except for to tell you that you were wrong. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that is, you know, I was asked a long time ago by somebody, um, and actually I don't think it was asked directly. I think it was something that had posted on Twitter. The question is, the question, um, have you ever seen a five-star match that had the wrong um, result? And my answer was at that time and remains that it's not possible to have a five-star match with the wrong result. Um, I saw one. Because that's because that's part of the um, that's part of making it a perfect match is that the right guy wins the thing, unless and, and that's unless it's done well. It, I mean, there's going to be a surprise upset type of victory when you've got two guys who are on equal levels. I to be honest, I thought Ibushi um, ZSJ was a five star match. I loved it, absolutely loved the match. I loved everything about it. Um, I, I was shocked when ZSJ won it, but 
it kind of makes sense uh, when you think about it after post-match. I mean, they're, they're running this story about ZSJ being undefeated at New Japan Cup, and they just continue to run that out there. And then you've got Kodai Ibushi. He just walks in, declares he's now signed long-term to New Japan and exclusive, and he's just going to walk his way to a title shot. I, I think they're doing the smart thing with Ibushi, and they're pulling. They're doing kind of like the Tanahashi is. They're break or even Okada. They're going to break him down a little bit and then build him back up so that when he does finally win the title, it means a whole lot more. Oh, so what you're saying is they're Daniel Bryaning him? No, I don't want to say that. I mean, because they're not going to make him look. They're not going to stand out there and call him a B plus, B plus player. Well, no, but I mean, you you know the whole thing that you know as this man's um, you know thing is that you know he doesn't trust when people get over organically, so he has to make them prove it again. So I mean, that's why you know Edge had the three had the three week title run where where Raw was getting its best its best. Um, oh yeah. You know its best ratings in how many years? And yeah. then and then they and then they put the title back on Cena because that was what the plan was originally, or or they you know or you know they have CM Punk catch fire and win the championship. And a month later he's jobbed, he's dropped it down to fucking uh, Alberto Del Rio because just because, you know, he's CM Punk and they wanted, and they wanted to do a more manufacturer type of run for him. And then they do it again to Daniel Bryan. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of people think, you know, that was such a great story and had a great result. And it did have a great result. You know, I mean, it had a great crowning moment at WrestleMania, but the only reason they had that crowning moment at WrestleMania is because CM Punk walked out of the company, and they had to scramble and find something for Triple H to do. Right. So I mean, so I mean, to me, um, saying that you, you know, saying that you want to break a guy down and build him back up is just another way of saying, um, you know, we're not going to let this guy be over organically. We want to package the way that he's going to be over. Well, that's and that's not what I meant. That's I guess I didn't mean it like that. I know, I but, it's just, but it's the way I take it now. Ever since right. my, my bitterness at those three results. I, I mean, when you if you look at New Japan, they don't throw the top title on people just as a let's see if they're hot or not. You know, it, it, look at Okada; he got over organically. Nakamura got over organically. Well, I mean, style. well, I mean, well, I mean, they kind of they kind of threw the title on Naito for that reason. That was for, 2014, wasn't it? No, it was uh, two thousand sixteen. Sixteen, yeah. Okay. You know, he won. He won the title and lost it. And lost it in his second defense, I think. Yeah, but at least he. Yeah, I guess. And I guess we have to wait and see what they do with Jay White. Right. Um, but I Omega. I mean, I, but, but I mean, I agree with you in general that it, that it's that they usually don't do that. I'm just saying that, you know, Naito is the, basically the hottest guy in the company, and he's held the title for all of like two or three months. You know. Yeah, that's. I can't dispute that. I can't argue with that. I mean, I think all wrestling companies do that, but it's. I just don't think that. I don't see New Japan doing that placeholder champion type thing just to see if there's a. I, I don't see them playing hot potato with a belt that that they actually pretend means something. You know, they actually portray that as meaning as a meaningful belt where WWE just says, "Hey, this is meaningful, but we're going to put it on 14 different people this month." Yeah, that's true, but but I mean, I, but I also don't think that challenging for the championship is the same as actually putting the title on somebody. So, no, I, I so, agree. So I, mean, so I mean, there's really no way that there's really no reason that Ibushi, um, you know, could not win this tournament and then lose to Jay White 
in Madison Square Garden. No, I mean that could happen, but I I see them going well, more. Can't, a, well, no, it can't. Well, that could have happened because it. And, and the re, and and because it can't, to me, that was not a five star match because the wrong guy won. And see, I don't I don't agree with that. I I think that I think I think that the right guy won um, simply because I think ZSJ. It's a better story going forward. There's not enough behind the Kodai Ibushi story other than he just came back. And he was best friends with Kenny. He didn't go with Kenny. You know, he's he's committed to New Japan. And, right, and, but... and, and, and we, we all know that even though there was no guarantee, Madison Square Garden was not sold on Ring of Honor. It was not sold on New Japan. It was sold on the Elite. Yep. People expected Kenny Omega to be there. People expected Cody to be there. People expected the Young Bucks to be there. People expected Hangman Page to be there. And, and of course, Marty Skrull. And out of those guys, only one guy is going to be there, Marty Skrull. Um, and so that's one reason why he should have had a one-on-one world title match. And that's why it would make sense to put Kenny's best friend in the main event because Kenny can't be there. Except, and, why can't, and why can't Kenny be there? Because New Japan and Ring of Honor refuse to work with all of these. You know, and it's, it's just, it's the, just only, the only thing about that, though, is that's great for us marks who know all the inside stories and, and follow those kind of things closely. The you mean regular, wrestling fans? They don't even bring up Kenny's name on the programming anymore. Well, no, they don't. But my, but, they, my, but my point is that the guys, that, the people that bought tickets for that show are going to be like the people that bought tickets for All In, the people that bought tickets for Double or Nothing. This is not the average wrestling fan that bought tickets for that show, Jeff. No, not necessarily. It, but it, it's, they're it's, not, guys like, it's guys like you and I that follow Ring of Honor and New Japan. They're not going to build a story, though, around somebody that they don't even mention on TV. It'd be different if they were, see, it'd be different if they were talking. It, I mean, they don't even bring up the Golden Lovers anymore. But it could have been implicit. I mean, it didn't have to be explicit. It could have been just implicit that, you know, you, you decided to stay with us. Um, you know, you're you know you're you're almost as exciting in the ring as Kenny is. And let's maybe that's you, why. Let's, let's put you in the main event. You know. Maybe that's why they didn't. They don't want it to look like it's a favor because he stayed. Because you know, you know damn well there'd be all the haters out there saying that, oh, the only reason he got this shot is a, as a reward for staying with the company and not going with Kenny. Well, then there's going to be haters like you and I that are saying this match is too soon. We just saw this match not too long ago. No, I and agree. We, and, we, and we want something <laughs> fresh. I agree, but it, it, there's nobody else. There's nobody else. They, I, 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 think I, mean, they, I, mean, I mean, they might as well have had Tanahashi not lose the title to Jay White and have Tanahashi versus Okada for the eighth, for the 12th time. Or how about this? And that, would, and that would have been the first time for an American audience. So it would have been, you know, it would have been fine. But, or how about this? How about uh, Jay White lose the Tanahashi, then run through the New Japan Cup and get his shot at, G, at the G1? And yeah, win that, it there. That would have worked, worked better too. Um, I think there might be some underlying reason why Tanahashi lost it so quickly. Unless they're looking to have Tanahashi win it from Jay White at G1, which would be stupid. What kind of underlying reason? An injury, maybe. He he can't put the time in that he needs to. It's the only thing I can think of. And yet he's still he's still in the quarterfinals of the, of the New Japan Cup. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but he's not putting out four-hour matches or 40-minute matches right now. 
Well, no. I think they're. I think the time limit. I think the the time limit for these matches is thirty minutes, isn't it? Yeah, but he's not even coming close to that. I guess I haven't noticed that. But speaking of Tanahashi, I, it's just it's just. I and I don't have any reason behind that. I, it's just something that kind of jumped into my head because it just seemed like they pulled the trigger on Jay White a little too early. Not and, to me. I, I, I thought he was going to win the title at New Beginning in, in Osaka, and he did win the title at New Beginning in Osaka. Mm-hmm. So to me, it wasn't too early. It was it was right on time. I mean, that, that's exactly what I expected to happen. You know, they, yeah, you, know, I, you know, you know, you know. I had I had said earlier about Ring of Honor um, how they had the perfect ending to their story, and they could have started a new story on Friday night, and they didn't do that. Nope. To me, to me, New Japan they had they had the fine, they had the perfect ending to their story. Um, at Wrestle Kingdom, and they started a new story, a new beginning. And you know? see, my my whole thing with uh, Jay White win is, I th- and I think we even talked about it, is how I wanted it to be at Dominion against Kenny. But I suppose you know plans change. Kenny left the company. Tanahashi wins the belt. You know, even with Tanahashi winning it, I still would have rather seen Jay White win it at Dominion then winning at New Beginning simply because it almost washes away that whole Tanahashi story that we followed for two and a half years. His whole redemption story. Yeah, he won the belt, but then lost it in his first defense. It kind of washes away his whole redemption thing. Hmm. I, I didn't think about it that way. I, I don't know. It's just... just on the other hand, on the, on the, on the did you really want to see a six-month reign for Tanahashi? I didn't, not I didn't, really. I didn't. Not really, but I would have rather seen a six-month reign by Tanahashi than completely destroy a two-year story. No, well, fair enough. You know, and not not just that. I think they could have told a better Jay White story. I mean, because his his feud with Okada, yeah, he got the win at Wrestle Kingdom, but that feud doesn't feel over yet. And it just like. He moved on right away to Tanahashi. Now he's the champion. You know, it just doesn't feel like his feud with Okada really truly ended. I would well, rather. No, well, well, no, it didn't because we've seen everybody else in, in New Japan come together under an, under a kind of a, a joint umbrella just to take out Bullet Club. Which you know, so so I mean, I, I mean, other than Lij and uh, well, I mean, I should say we've seen Tanahashi. And um, Takuchi Japan formed come together to with Chaos to try to take out to take, try to take out Bullet Club. Yeah, because Lij and uh, Suzuki Goon are kind of also doing, doing their own thing. You know? Well, yeah, they. I mean, nobody's going to team with Suzuki Goon. No, those, nor were they, nor were they accepted. Those guys are crazy. They are. Um, the Osprey Archer match I thought was decent. Uh, I have to say the Cole Cabana Torriano match was not really the kind of match that I I like, but that was very entertaining. Yeah, it was really entertaining. And then an Archer versus uh, Osprey was really. It was almost like a I'm trying to think of of a word. A more mild version of like Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles. Yeah, you know, where, I guess because I mean the the comeback was not like all at once; it was gradual over time, and also it was it was also it did a great job of putting Osprey in a position to show 
that he could take those shots from a super heavyweight and, and keep moving up the, the ladder, I suppose. Yeah. And I, I, I felt that way too. I just, this was one of the, one of the few times lately where I've actually watched Will Ospreay and been impressed with him. I've had a hard time with the way he's been portrayed um, up until his match against uh, that he just had against Jay White. Jay White lamp went on. Yeah, I know you have, and and you know I'm not going to call you an idiot again because I would just be rude. Well, yeah. And, re- and redundant. And redundant. Hey, Don Callis agreed with me. That's all I care about. Wait, wait, wait. I, I thought you were always looking for, for my um, endorsement, not, not nope, Don nope. Callis's. Don, Don Callis is my boy now. Okay. Fair enough. Anyway, let's get back to let's – let's get uh, – so, so we talked about those matches. So let's, now let's talk about the match of the year. You know, so, before we get to that, let's leave that as a cliffhanger. Let's take a break. Really? Take a quick break and then come back with that. Okay. I have to pee anyway, so that works. All right. Sounds good. You know what I was talking about? I was on mute. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Welcome back to Kingdom of Honor. Um, Jeff, are you there as well? Yes, sir. So as I started to say, um, I texted you yesterday and said that I had just saw my match, my match of the year. Right. And uh, coming into yesterday, uh, my, my top five matches were probably, well, actually, certainly number one was Joe Coffey versus Pete Dunne for the NXT Champion, NXT UK Championship at, uh, or I guess WWE UK Championship at NXT Takeover Blackpool. Number two was Jay White versus Okada from Wrestle Kingdom, which I think is still your number one. Um, number three was Ricochet versus Johnny Five Star at Takeover Phoenix. That's actually my number one right now. Oh, is it? Okay. Those um, um, those are my top three, but I, I think that uh, that. Ricochet Johnny Gargano match was so well done. It was. Um, number four was, or number four, uh, yeah, it was uh, Jeff Cobb versus Shane Taylor. Who we just got done talking about. And number five was Daniel Bryan versus um, AJ Styles at Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble. Yeah, and I, I would so, have to, and see, I would have to say those are probably my top five as well. Even though, even though you said Shane Taylor versus Jeff Cobb was... Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, not Shane. I I was thinking, uh, uh, for me, that Ibushi-ZSJ match is oh, in okay. there. Five. I misheard, misheard you. Ah, I see. Okay. You said uh, match that we just talked about, so I ran with that. Um, so, and, and, now, and now I'm happy to announce that the only WWE match that I had, a WWE proper match that I had in my top five has now been brushed to the side to make way for a new number one, and that is Seiya Sonata defeating Minoru Suzuki um, to get to the quarterfinals of the New Japan Cup. Um, this match was completely brilliant in my mind. There was a little bit, but not, but very little of the Suzuki beating people with chairs and and uh, barricades thing. Um, but he was on point. He was after Sonata's knee. Um, Sonata was after his neck and those two guys did not let it put on each other at all um, they were completely destroying each other probably the last 10 minutes of the, minutes of the match was the, two, was the two guys trying to um, survive each other's finishers um, 
in Sonata's case, trying to survive both the knee bars and the um, and the rear naked choke, along with the gosh style pile driver. So really, three of them. Whereas Suzuki kept trying to escape the skull end and countered the great moonsault that Sonata learned from Muda um, as well. And this wasn't a and this wasn't a spot where. Sonata was springing up like his knee wasn't hurt the way that we've criticized Hiroshi Tanahashi so much for. He was always struggling to get up there. Um, Suzuki always had an answer for it. And there even was a point where Sonata, I think it was the first time he went for a moonsault, um, his left knee had been worked on, but then he tweaked his right knee. And so then you have a guy who basically has no wheels taking on one of the most sadistic wrestlers in the world, and he survives a knee bar that he's trapped in the middle of the ring. Um, Wushi couldn't survive Zack Sabre Jr., but, uh, but Sonata could survive Suzuki. And Sonata goes for the moonsault again. Um, so, um, Suzuki counters it again. And Sonata is trapped, or no, Sonata finally backs, backflips out of it and gets him into the skull end. And they keep resting each other on the floor, Matt style, very, very intensely compellingly on the floor and they keep switching back and forth between the knee bar and the, um, and the skull end until finally Sonata tries to pin, um, tries to pin Suzuki thinking that he's gotten him beat and Suzuki kicks out. So Sonata goes one more time for that moonsault struggles at the top rope. Um, Suzuki is on the ground rolling over he sees what's happening he yells up at him but he can't actually move out of the way and he gets hit with the moonsault and one two three sonata moves on finally defeating the monkey on his back all these years in um minoru Minoru suzuki it was just a brilliant wrestling match yeah i'm not going to disagree i'm really not i i Love the fact that the story, Sonata getting over Suzuki. Um, I I thought the match itself was phenomenal. The entire match, the way that they just beat the holy hell out of each other, just everything involved in it. Uh, I love the fact that not only Sonata, but Suzuki sold their injuries throughout the entire match. My problem with it was there was two spots. Um, There was one spot after... Sonata comes down and tweaks the wrong knees. Now he's got both bum knees and then all of a sudden does a dive over the top rope and lands on his feet and runs up the ramp. Um, That to me was a little bit of a stretch, but I'll give credit where credit's due. Kevin Kelly sold it in a way that I was like, okay, I can buy that. Um, When he talked about the adrenaline and how, you know, a superb athlete takes, takes a chance like that when he gets a chance and, and so on. Um, so I could buy that. And not only that, but later, but then a couple minutes later, he said, that he's, you know, the adrenaline's finally worn off and these two guys are just fighting for their lives or something like exactly. that. Exactly. He, I mean, he, it was his, it was Kevin Kelly's selling of that that actually made me go, huh, you know what? I'm all right with it now. Um, but the one thing that I just couldn't get over and I know you just mentioned it as a great spot. To me, it went on a little too long was the submission um, back and forth towards the end with the skulls end into the knee bar. I just felt like that went maybe one or two 
switches to money. Well, that's fair enough. I mean, that, that's to each of our different tastes, I think. I mean, I, yeah. I, thought, I thought it was on the verge of getting too long, and then I thought it ended before it actually got too long. Personally. See, and for, and for me, it went just, just past the border. It just went too long, and that pulled me out of it. And I, I, it's, see, you know, you talk about the different tastes. It, it, there was a time for me when I would, if I would watch a match and they would stand in the middle of the ring doing the yay, boo punches, that would immediately knock a star off of it for me. Um, I'm still to that point with the yay boo punches, but they don't do it as much anymore. Now they do the yay boo kicks. So um, they still have their little standoffs, but they're starting to mix in different ways of doing it. So, you know, it's just, you're right. It's probably personal taste. I think that that's probably why ZSJ versus Ibushi to me was a much better match. ZSJ is just so fluid, but you can say the same thing about Sonata. That man is just a, freak when he's in that ring. I don't know that I've ever seen a guy that big, that athletic. I mean, they, they try to sell it every time you see people like Keith Lee or Willie Mack or how many of these other guys, but they're not on Sonata's level at all. No, in fact, in fact, you know, they, they've compared, they've compared Sonata before to guys like LeBron James and uh, Deion Sanders, you know, these just super athletes. And you can see it every time he, um, you know, he, he does things in the ring. He's just phenomenal. And what he is, um, what he is come better at in the last, I would say year or so is keeping that cool exterior, but also showing his emotions better. Um, yeah, he does draw he, in the crowd a whole lot better now than he used to. He does. And, and he, he's always had that spectacular look. He's always been spectacular in the ring. It's, it's been the emotion that he's had trouble conveying. And he's still, you know, he got that, he's still got that cool customer where he's always, nothing ever seems to face him. But at the same time now, um, you can see the intensity in his eyes. You can see the way he's reacting to the crowd. You can see the way he's reacting to his opponent. And I think he's really on the verge. He's like one step away from superstardom now. Yeah, I finally. Agree. I I honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that that title defense was going to happen at the G one at Madison Square Garden, I could see Sonata winning this tournament this year. I think he's finally at that level where he could easily make that jump to main event. Right, and he actually has had world title matches the last two years against um, Okada. Okada. Yeah, and he's looked phenomenal then, in them. Well, right, they've both been like you know four and three quarter five star matches. Um, they've both been just completely excellent. And, uh, and the match that he beat Okada in, in the G1 a couple of years ago was excellent as well. You know, I mean, he's, he's yeah. really, um, he's really, I mean, and they keep heating him up, you know, once a year or so for that world title spot. And I don't know if he's ever going to be the world champion, but I think that he's certainly um, closer to it now than he's ever been. He's making a case that he deserves it. That's for sure. Right. You know, especially in a, position like we were talking about how we think Kota Ibushi is going to end up being that fourth pillar you know to take from Tanahashi well what if Sonata took it from uh, Naito and you had Ibushi Jay White, Okada, and Naito at the top or not Naito, Sonata at the top I'd be fine with that but you know I don't know how, they, how that would actually be accomplished I really don't want to see another Interfaction war after what we've seen the last couple of years. Oh yeah, or the last that, year or so, I guess I should say. Yeah, I'm definitely over that. Yeah, but after, I mean, but I mean, but I mean, maybe Naito somehow comes out with it, comes you know, ends up with an injury that takes him out for a year. 
Um, and then, you know, it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be unfortunate, but, you know, the Sonata would be able to step right in for him, I think. Right. And I, to be honest, I mean, we talked about uh, there was a time when we were worried about Naito losing some of his heat, um, and we talked about Evil taking over. And I, to be honest, I think Sonata would fit that role better than Evil at this point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you were you were talking about last week about how Evil has such a great presence and a great entrance, but I mean, I think Sonata is um, definitely better in the ring. He's at least at least a, you know a half a step above Evil in the ring. Yeah, he doesn't quite have Evil's charisma yet, but he's got enough of it over the last couple of years. He's gained enough of it to where I would put him on or maybe slightly ahead of Evil on the pecking order. Right, and he's and he does seem to be the guy that's been involved in most of the decisions for that team. Um, the last eight months or so. So I, th- I think he's really kind of in the spot where um, I think he's, I think he, he's being pushed a little bit ahead of evil right now. Yeah. And well-deserved. Well-deserved. Yeah. yeah I mean, plus, plus, you know, evil lost to ZSJ in the first round and now Sonata's going to the quarters. So, so there's evidence there too. I just, Isn't I just, he against ZSJ in the quarters. Is he? I thought I saw, didn't, I thought I saw a lineup where he I, th- was I think, I think so. Cause they had said before that Sonata had the toughest road to the, um, to the finals, so that would make yeah. a lot of sense actually, because he just he just had to beat Suzuki, and how he's moving on to uh, ZSJ that would make a lot of sense. And who did he have in the first round? I don't remember. I don't think it was an easy match though. Let's see. New Japan 2019 brackets. There we go. Let's see if it shows me here. Can you look? Can you look at, anybody, at the guys that are left though, and think there's anybody but Okada or Tanahashi that's coming out though? As the winner, Ishii or Osprey. I could honestly see Will Osprey pulling it off and getting a rematch after the match he just had at uh, the anniversary show. And that's something that he's well-known across the world. I could definitely see Jay White versus Osprey at Madison Square Garden. So then Osprey will be wrestling for three championships at Madison Square Garden? Oh, shit, that's right. The only other one then, other than Tanahashi and Okada is maybe Ishii. I don't think they would put Ishii in the main event at Madison Square Garden. I mean, to me, to me, he's it was, more of a hardcore fan, though. But when you look at the remaining people, this is really face-heavy. There's only one heel left in this entire bracket. I did not even notice that. ZSJ is the only heel left. Sonata, Cole Cabana, Tanahashi, Osprey, Okada, Yoshihashi, and Ishii are all the rest. ZSJ is the only heel left. Oh, you're right. It's going to be Yoshihashi taking it home. Uh, I'm actually a little surprised they didn't give Chase Owens a bigger run. Okay, so yeah, Sonata beat Hiroki Goto. Okay, yeah, so he did yeah. have yeah, so he beat Goto and, and Suzuki, the you know two uh, major players, you know. So. And then he moves on to. Where the hell are the brackets? Why can't I find any brackets? I'm just kind of looking at different sites, just kind of bouncing back and forth. <laughs> My voice actually feels better now than I did all the rest of the day. 
All right, Sonata versus Cabana, and Tanahashi versus ZSJ, Osprey versus Okada, and Ishii versus Yoshihashi. Interesting. So, I mean, we could either end up with a ZSJ versus Sonata or a Tanahashi versus Sonata, depending on how they're going to go with that. On the other bracket, I can't see Okada versus Ishii. I just can't. But I can't see Yoshihashi beating Ishii either. So I think that's got to be Ishii versus Osprey and a finals of Ishii versus Sonata, possibly. I'd be totally down with that. Because that would mean Sonata's getting the world championship match. That would be... I mean, that would be what I would like to see. I, I think you're right, though. I think Tanahashi ends up winning this. I mean, I'd be, I'd be fine with Zach, with Zach winning it, too. I just don't think it's really going to happen. No, because they're not going to do a heel versus heel headlining Madison Square Garden. They're just not. Right. They just won't. Regardless of the story, they won't do something like that. They don't want to put the hottest heel they have on the roster up against the hottest up-and-coming heel they have on the roster. That it, they don't want to put the two hottest heels they have. Did I lose you? No, I'm still here. All right. It's heard a beep. I thought hung up on me, but I, I can't see them putting the two hottest heels on the roster up against each other. Yeah, I heard that same uh, static also, but it looks like we're still on the air and everything. So. Okay, good. We're having a repeat of last week. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. You know, and, and honestly, it was, it, I was disappointed that Yoshihashi made it to the second round or made it to the quarterfinals too. I don't think he should have beat Chase Owens. I think Chase Owens should have had a better run, especially if they're trying to build him up as a you know, a major player. Or not a Especially, major player, but a mid-card, major mid-card player. Right, exactly. What's the point of having Chase Owens beat Juice Robinson only to lose to fucking Yoshihashi? Yoshihashi. Right. Yeah. But I mean, looking at this, I can't see Yoshihashi beating Ishii, so we got Ishii coming out there. And then I can't see Okada going up against Ishii either. So I think Osprey's got to beat Okada. There's no way Cabana beats Sonata and makes it to the finals. You know, there's actually there's actually one way that Yoshihashi wins this wins the tournament, and that is that he was the mole in chaos, and so he he gets the I mean yeah the mole in chaos and he gets it he so he earns the title shot and then he just decides no nah, I don't want it and then that puts you know, and then that puts everything kind of up in limbo. And then they can pick and choose whoever they want, right? To come in, you know, that would actually make sense because Yoshihashi up against uh, he'd end up having to go not only up against Ishii but then up against Okada. Right. But I think if Yoshihashi wins, then I could definitely see Okada winning. I just, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see, but the way it looks right now, Tanahashi's the only clear-cut person to win. Yeah. Tanahashi, you said? Sucks, yeah. Yeah. I'd rather see ZSJ or Sonata, but I think Tanahashi... Yeah, I mean, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna end up with Okada versus Tanahashi in the final. You think so? I'm gonna lean towards Ishii and Ta- Tanahashi. Yeah, well, see, I, I don't, I can't see Osprey beating Okada. I just can't. I mean, I just, I just think that they, they, when they tend to do this kind of stuff, it's usually like, you know, you lose a couple of times and you finally beat the guy that, that's beaten you. And now, you know, Osprey has lost once to Okada. He's only faced him once. So I just don't think he's going to beat him in, in this environment. 
And then that means that Ishii would be taking on Okada. And while Ishii's beat Okada before, I don't think he's going to. I don't think he would beat him in the New Japan Cup. I mean, I really yeah, don't want to. I really don't want to see Tanahashi and Okada against each other again. But I think it's you know that that upper bracket is just chaos against chaos. The whole bracket: Ishii, Yoshihashi, Osprey, and Okada. Yeah, it the is. Final final four in that bracket is nothing but chaos. Yeah, so there's there's guaranteed to be a, a chaos member in the finals. Which is probably where the mole is going to be released. So you're right. Either Yoshihashi or Osprey end up being the mole. And we, get yeah. our, we finally get our much-needed Osprey heel turn. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, but it'd be nice. It would be, but I mean, the, the way that he survived against... You know, the battle he had against White and the, and the way right. he survived against Lance Archer with the crowd behind him. I just don't think they're going to do it at this point. No, probably not. So, but, and we know it's not going to be... Uh, the other thing, you're probably right, it's probably either Tanahashi or Okada. Fuck, that sucks. Yeah, it does. That really sucks. I agree. I mean, and, and, and again, it's not, it's going to, it's not because I think it's going to be a bad match. It's just... It just seems like it's too early to have those guys face each other again. I could, I could believe Tanahashi maybe had he re- invoked his rematch clause. But they don't have rematch clauses in Japan. Oh, that's right. They don't. No. Right. Never mind that. Which, which it really is, I mean, if you think about it, it's really the way it should be. I mean, you should have to go out there and, and earn your shots. Yeah, you go back down to the bottom of the line and start over. Right. Just like the heels always used to say in WWE and never followed through on. Right, exactly. Yeah, because they're because they're because they're heels and they have to be stupid. You know. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, so, um, so so uh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, are we still on this? Or are we done with this one? You still want to talk about that match? Or because I got a couple oh. of off kilter things. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Um, AJ Styles resigned with um, WWE today. Well, that's too bad. He signed a four. I thought I saw either it was a two or four year contract. So he is not going anywhere. Um, Defiant, Rory Coyle, is our new world champion in Defiant, beating Rampage last night. Oh. And uh, SCC won the tag belts last week on TV, so they're the new tag champs. Um, so we've got a couple of really interesting characters at the top of the food chain there. Uh, there was one other thing that I was... Oh, did you watch that MLW um, War Games from 2003? Yeah, of course I did. That's what we, t- we talked about doing. It. Uh, what did you think of it? Um, I thought it was a War Games match. <laughs> I thought it was closer to the style of War Games I wanted it to be than what this 2018 version was. Yeah, it was. And I thought that... Uh, um, I don't know. It was, it was kind of weird because I mean, I, uh, while I enjoyed the spot where Bill Alfonso said, I might get my ass kicked, but I'm getting in there. Um, yeah, five I also, versus I also, five. I also, I, also, I also felt like it was like completely out of character for Bill Alfonso. Right, and five versus five was a little much. And um, I, I also was a little bit taken aback by the fact that Steve Carino quit so quickly. Well, he got burned in the face. Yeah, but he's their world champ. 
It's that, just, is not, it, that is not great for immunity to fire, Jeff. Sure it does. In wrestling it does. Look at Kane. Do I have to? Please no. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I don't know. I just think that it... Uh, well, speaking I, I, of, well, speak, actually, speaking of that, look at Kane. Do you remember how like fans were clamoring for him to take his mask off? Yeah. And 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 then when he did, it was so fucking disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> I, all I remember is him unmasking. Was it did he lost a Cena or something? Uh, Triple H. It was a Triple H, and he had to remove his mask, and he took his mask off, and he had that um, uh, the bald head because his hair was just a wig, and then he had uh, the black around his eyes, and that was the big reveal. Yeah, that was a big like makeup and all that jazz. Yeah. The only the only good thing that came out of that was the very next week when he lit Jim Ross on fire for uh, Jim saying, "Hey, there's nothing wrong with you." <laughs> that was the only good thing that came out of that. Uh, um, also, the uh, I, I don't know. I just thought that Steve Carino taking the fall there, considering he was the heavyweight champ, was maybe not the way it should have gone. Well, that was the whole reason for it, though, that, you know, Terry Funk, to set Terry Funk up for having um, a uh, title match. A title match, you know, to, to prove that Funk was a deserving challenger, basically. Yeah, maybe. And he did get the pin, I guess. The uh, well, the, the submission. Yeah, that's that's right. That's what I, another part I hated was the fact that he submitted. He not only beat the world champ, but he submitted the world champ. Yeah, but that's how a War Games match is supposed to go. I know. I just ugh. remember that was the entire remember that was the entire reason I was so disgusted by the recent WWE ones is because they ended in pinfall, not in sub, not in submission or surrender. Yeah, that is true. How did I forget that minute little detail? I mean, I mean, it, my opinion about something is not cannot be minute. Um, oh, any, okay. Any, anyway, um, the. Uh, you know that that's and and that's what I have enjoyed about these MLW ones is that they're actually going by the actual war game rules. You know where it's where it's submission is submission or surrender, not um, just being pinned in the middle of the ring because that that is not how war games are supposed to go. The 2018 version kind of bugged me a little bit with all the weapons. The fact that they put so many weapons in the cage. I mean, the the point of war games is that is supposed to be the weapon. And yeah, they, that's were a good throwing, point. they were throwing everything they could in there. Even in the, the 2012 version, I, nobody brought in their kendo sticks. Tommy Dreamer didn't bring in his kendo stick. Or Sandman, I mean. You mean Singapore cane? Yeah. Uh, whatever they want to call him. Sandman, unfortunately, had his 45-minute intro. What do you mean, and unfortunately? They, I thought you were a big Sandman fan. And then did nothing. I liked Sandman back in the uh, mid to late 90s, yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. I mean, I, re- I remember that when we, when we covered that uh, WrestleCade show, you were thrilled to, to see him on there and stuff. I think I was more thrilled to see all of the ECW alum that was there. Oh, is that what there, it was? There were a lot of them there that you'd never see anymore, like Shane Douglas. I thought we, I thought we were both irritated by seeing all, any of them no, I was, I was just no. I was just uh, messing with you. Well, a C.W. Anderson match we enjoyed against Kid Cash until it turned into a joke at the end. Right, that that that's that's true. It did turn into a big fat joke at the end. But then again, that whole show was 
disturbing at best. Well, except for the Tessa, uh, not Tessa, um, Taya Valkyrie versus um, Penelope Ford match. That was an awesome women's match. Yeah. Who's the match that we have to look forward to next year? Oh, that is... Uh, Jimmy Havoc versus... Jimmy Havoc against... No, it was Conan versus... No, it was no. Vampiro, Vampiro versus... Jimmy Havoc. Was it Jimmy Havoc? Yeah. Because remember, in a, we were in a, so in a, in a steel In a steel cage, right? Remember, we were so disgusted because Jimmy Havoc lost so... Or uh, beat him so quickly and we didn't get anything out of it? No, it wasn't, wasn't Jimmy Havoc, was it? Wasn't it like Crazy Steve? You know, you might be right. It might have been Crazy Steve. Regardless, it was the worst damn match I've ever seen in my life. And we get a repeat of it coming up in a cage to make it even better. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to watch WrestleMania again next year, right? Well, of course. I mean, Jesus, it was only three hours of my time that I'll never see again. What was it it I texted you about that show? I don't remember. But you you said it was the opposite of what I said. So it was like uh, you said it was like the worst description of anything ever or something. Oh, because you didn't want to give me any of the results. You said it was uh, it was fantastic so far or something like that. I did not say that. I said I don't remember what it was. I'm trying, trying to remember exactly what I said. I said, um, oh, I, I said the good parts were better than the bad parts were bad. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and you were like, and that was not true. You were, you were like, that was yeah. a lie. <laughs> that was not true. There, there were only maybe two good parts of that entire show, but the bad was really bad. That Vampiro Crazy Steve match was the baddest bad ever. Yeah, it was. I've, I've never seen a match worse than that. And keep in mind, I've seen James Ellsworth wrestle. <laughs> Yeah, you saw James Ellsworth get his ass kicked by uh, um, Eli Drake. Eli Drake. Oh, speaking of and, that, so you know, we had, we got a we got a tweet shortly after we went off the air last week that uh, Eli Drake had had bowed out of the match against um, Tessa Blanchard coming up at the Impact WrestleMania weekend show, and he's being replaced by none other than Joey Ryan, and. You know, I think that all of us can agree that if we want anybody to have a serious one-on-one match with a woman, that's a guy wrestler, a famous guy wrestler, that's got to be the famous dick wrestler, Joey Riot, right? Of course. Of course. Yeah. I'm just glad that Eli Drake opted out of it. Yours what? I'm just glad that Eli Drake decided not to do it. I don't see how that would have ended well for him. Well, I understand your point. I understood your point last week, but I think it's ridiculous that... It's going to be um, Joey Ryan. Uh, Joey favorite. Ryan, yeah. I mean, Joey Ryan should not be anywhere near a woman in a wrestling ring. And, 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 and did you did you see what happened this weekend when he wrestled a woman? No, I didn't. He wrestled that chick that was like that, like, a, like she threw that bloody tampon at the other chick that one time, and then like she bobbed it in the middle of the ring. Well, well, is it like Kelly something or Casey something? Anyway, um, he went to he went to do his dick flex on her. And she vomited all over his dick. That's awesome. That is how that move should end every time. <laughs> with, I with just, just with this, with this random woman popping up in the middle of the ring and vomiting on his dick. Right. Just, <laughs> I, I just don't see... This, this is not going to go well either. Joey Ryan, I mean, he can't do his popsicle stunt. He can't do the... Uh, his 
dick flip, what's he going to do? I have no idea. None. And that's the, that's the thing is that, you know, I was, I was thinking about buying this card. I was going to share, you know, I was going to share my fight TV stuff with you again so we could both watch it. And now, I mean, the only match on there that I'm looking forward to now is the uh, Lucha Bros taking on Sabu and Rob Van Dam. Which you know, and, actually, and, and, and even that, I don't even know if it's going to be worth it because of how old Sabu is now. You know. Well, and Rob Van Dam hasn't wrestled in, what, 10 years? Well, no, it's it's been a couple I, he, I think he, I think I, I think I think I read this weekend that he that he's been wrestling like twelve nights a year for the last couple of years. Oh, but remember, right. remember, remember he wrestled. Um, was it twenty sixteen SummerSlam where it was um, Albert Del Rio defending the world title against him? That's right. He did come back for that really quick run, that two month run or whatever, where he just literally came in to to be face Albert Del Rio. I think it was like the Royal Rumble to. WrestleMania maybe, and then and then he came back for SummerSlam or something. Because it was like he signed like a limited number of dates, and that's how, kind of how they used him. Yeah, yeah, and that was okay. So you're right. He did wrestle full time for TNA before that too, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And now he's um, and now he's I guess back with Impact for you know for a little bit. Isn't he a stand up comedian now too? I think that's Dolph Ziggler. No, I thought um, Rob Van Dam did it too. There was something on YouTube a while ago where he had these uh, comedy shows that he was doing. Oh, interesting. I can't remember if he was the host or if he was actually somebody doing the stand-up. Well, speaking of hosting shows, did you see that... Uh, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader is coming back? Yeah, I saw that. But it's, going, but it's going to Nickelodeon, and it's going to be hosted by everybody's favorite, John Cena. Oh, of course it is. Hey, he, um, did you see that Vince is blaming the fact that WWE's ratings are falling on the fact that John Cena hasn't been around? Yeah, because it was claiming so much with him there. Right, exactly. That was his blame. That's what he blamed it on, the fact that John Cena wasn't around. It might be, you know, it might, it might be, uh, able to, you might be able to blame it on the fact that you don't take anything seriously. Um, you don't keep up with any storylines for longer than, a couple of weeks unless um, it's a main event guy that he really wants to push and that they don't, they decided that they, they wanted to push guys from 20 years ago instead of the new talent. Well, and they expect us to just forget about everything that's ever happened before. Like with Seamus and, and um, Cesaro, you know, they're good friends that finally became, came together to form a tag team. Right. Right. Yeah, so I mean, there's plenty. There's plenty of reasons why Raw's ratings are down. Um, I don't think that John Cena not being around is one of them. Yeah, I thought I kind of chuckled when I saw that interview. Um, have you gotten any more of the? Go ahead. Have you gotten any more of the Sammy Guevara stuff? I watched the first, I think, four episodes of it. Did you get to his um, disappointment about being an extra? I did. Okay, I. I the more and more I he, see, he got he got paid like forty dollars a day to 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 sit around and eat catering and stuff, and he and he was disappointed that he that he that he uh, didn't get used. The part that I liked the best about it was the fact that he flipped it to finding the positive in it, and the fact and you know even though he wasn't used, it's still a grateful opportunity because he got to hobnob with the the people at the top of the industry and things like that. 
Right. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. The more and more I watch of Sammy Guevara, the more impressed I am with the guy. He's got an incredible work ethic. He's, he's just ridiculously humble. And he does not remind me of the guy that he plays on TV. Um, I have a question about that for you because, because maybe I'm just like YouTube retarded, but is there any way to actually watch the episodes without having to scroll through 180 of them to actually find the one you want to watch? If you start the one, you know, you start down at like number one, the problem is you have to keep it going. See, Sammy didn't do like uh, everybody else does where like being the elite, they have just a playlist for being the elite. So you click on that. Same thing with NWA. Sammy just throws everything on his page. Right. If he'd organized it a little bit better, it would have been, it, it'd be a lot easier. But it's, it's one of those ones where you have to watch multiple in a row just to let it roll through. Otherwise, right. you're stuck scrolling. Right. And there's, and there's no way to switch it around so that it's showing the earliest content first, right? No, there's not. I've tried. Yeah, that's weird. I haven't found a way. If there is a way, there probably is a way, and I'm sure one of our listeners will tell us if there is. Yeah, because I, I was looking through all the settings and I couldn't figure out a way to do it, so I didn't have to scroll through all those all those episodes, which is really kind of time consuming, you know. It's it's not bad when you have the time to do it and you can actually watch some of his matches, because he does have a lot of his matches on there and a lot of good matches on there. Right. I mean, but if you I, don't I, have I, I, I have I have not done that yet. I've only been kind of watching his uh, his episodes. Yeah, and like, it's, like, like his like his vlog, I guess he's calling it. Part of me wants to jump forward, maybe to 2019 with it too, because I just realized he has like 260 of them. It's not like it was with uh, being the elite, where they only had like 75 when we started watching it. Uh, I think it was like 130. Was a regardless. I mean, Sammy Guevara. I love the kid. He's everything I've seen. The first, I think I've watched the first ten of them. And I just, I love the kid. I absolutely do. I like him a lot more than I did just based on his talent and character. Yeah. He's the guy that I really want to see succeed. Yeah, he's really good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're right. That, that is a hell of a lot of things to watch. <laughs> yes, it is. So, you know, especially, when, especially when you're just kind of watching a guy, like, go around from, from tour to tour. It's not like being the week where they eventually started telling stories. And, and maybe he does later on, and we just don't know it yet. But, I mean, it's, it's really, really literally you're watching a guy, you know, travel, weight lift, you know, that kind of thing. You're basically seeing what being the elite was in the beginning, where it's just a behind-the-scenes look on these guys and what they do and how they do it. It's just that where the young bucks had time in the industry by the time to where they were already household names by the time they started being the elite. So there was a lot more to it. You're seeing this guy start from the ground up. I mean, he is, he's got nobody doing merchandising for him. He's got nobody. He, he has to mail his own t-shirts. Right. You know, so it, well, and, a, and, that, well, that, and that's the other thing that makes it a little bit more, a little bit drier than it was with the, with the young bucks too, is they always had each other to play off of, or they had, you know, their friends to play off of, you know, what I've seen so far is this been him basically, you know, just talking, talking about talking yeah. or having his cat talk for him, you know, I, I don't know. I, I find it more interesting, I think, because you're seeing this guy become a superstar from the ground up, not seeing a guy who's already established or a tag team that's already established with their own channel. You're, you're seeing him literally go through the running out of gas and 
um, getting pulled over on the highway, you know, things like that. You're not, you're not seeing all the polished plane rides. This guy's got to drive because he can't fly. He doesn't make enough to fly. Yeah, I, to me, it's interesting. I, I'm really enjoying it. I, I can see where it's dry and, and maybe not something that a lot of people get into. But for me, it's really interesting. Well, it is. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm not sure that you could carry 180 shows just, just with that, you know. Yeah, that, and that's why I'm saying I might want to skip ahead a little bit. If it starts, um, if it starts to bore me, I'll skip ahead. Yeah. And well, speaking of, and speaking of guys that will, that will bore you, um, did did you happen to to, to listen to uh, All Elite Wrestling this weekend? All about All Elite. I didn't, but I did see something um, about All Elite. What was it? Oh, it was the new being the Elite. No, so I didn't. Uh, well, I, I was just wondering. I was just wondering if you heard that their, their latest rip on Nick Aldis. No, I haven't. You remember, you remember last week the one I told you I thought you were going to get mad about it and you thought it was really funny. Um, this week, um, Miss Fan said, "Well, if there was it was if there was ever a wrestler who was a candidate for being one who didn't actually somebody who didn't actually exist, it would be Nick Aldis." Yeah, that's not as good as last week's. It's not, but it's still no. pretty funny. No, no, no. I, I think I'm enjoying it because the, they feel the same way about Nick Aldis that I do, and, and it's and it's the exact opposite of the way that you feel about it. Yeah, I think Nick Aldis is a star. Um, he's a never was. He can't even be a has been. He would never. He was a never was. He uh, he's a hell of a commentator. <laughs> yes, yes, but that's not what his main job is supposed to be. Yeah, that's a good point. I think he's good in the ring. I just think he doesn't have the platform to show it. It's he's good in the ring for 1993, not for 2018. Well, that's what, and see, that's what makes him the perfect NWA champion is because they're all about the old school. What makes him the perfect NWA champion is that until until and unless they uh, they become big time, they need somebody that's not going to be running to WWE or AEW because neither one of those organizations want him. So I mean, it, it makes it he's the perfect guy for them to him to be. Um, I guess carrying on the title for now, but he's still he's certainly not going to get them the kind of attention that that Cody would have if he stayed, or that Marty Scurll would, or somebody somebody like that. You know, was he's, just gonna keep, he's just going to keep going from town to town and being the NWA champion, and they're, and they're never going to grow with him as their as their top guy. No, I I agree. Um, I, I, it's more of an establishment thing right now. I think that they're not going to develop into prominence until they get. I think Nick Aldis is too much of a tweener right now. He's not playing the good guy. He's not playing the bad guy. It depends on the night. So until they get that hated heel that, um, and then a good you know, protagonist to go up against them, I, I, don't see, I don't see it really taking off. Unless you can get, like, I mean, it was uh, Hogan and Piper. It was... Uh, you know, and then after Hogan and Piper, it was Hogan and Savage. You know, it was uh, Flair and Dusty, then Flair and Sting. To be a top guy of an organization, you have to have a top caliber foe to be there against you. And he doesn't have that. Well, and he's also, not going to have that because he, he's really bumping around the indies is all he's really doing. Well, that's, it. that's the other thing I was going to say is that it's kind of a chicken and an egg scenario. You know, they're not going to get a TV show until they get hot – and get get some real demand for it, right? And and yet they're not going to get a hot angle just being on YouTube all the time. 
you know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, I just, I just don't see any way for them to, um, in the, at Maybe. Least in the current climate for them to be, you know, th- th- this is a 20 year plan by, by, uh, Billy Corgan. Billy Corgan. And, uh, and what's the other guy's name? I can't think of the top of my head, but, um, um, Laguna. Yeah. Dave Laguna. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I think that 20 years, while it's, um, probably realistic i just don't even see where the next year is going to go so I, I just don't see where i mean yes granted a year ago we didn't even know the nwa was still around but they but but the, re, the reason the main reason why we do realize it's still around now is because of all in and right. and now they've distanced them and now you know they've gone with with ring of honor and uh, continue that relationship but i don't think ring of honor is going to be the platform for the nwa to stem from Either so I, I really I think, don't I really don't know where they go to further establish the NWA as a national national brand again. I I I had said this earlier this year that I felt like um, New Japan was going to end up suffering more than Ring of Honor was. Mm-hmm. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Now New Japan has sh- proven why they're such a great company in just the last month worth of matches that we've seen where ring of honor is really, really struggling to find themselves outside. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Outside of maybe the Briscoes and Jeff Cobb. Do they have any legitimate stars? Well, Marty Skrull, but I don't, I'm not necessarily countering him because I think he's kind of a, just a placeholder right now. He's on his way out soon. Um, what I, you know, what I meant, what I forgot to say earlier when I was doing my rant is that the last thing we saw before Matt Taven came out was a clip of Lifeblood on Ring of Honor television and Juice Robinson saying, "This is where Ring of Honor is reborn." Right. And you don't re- you don't have a rebirth of Ring of Honor with Jay Lethal hold- still holding onto that World Championship. And I think that's why I I'm so disappointed in Ring of Honor for their decision to go with that pile of crap that they did. Mm-hmm. I they had a per- it's a company that is truly lacking top flight stars. And top they could have made and, and they could have made one. They had the opportunity to not only get a top heel in the company, but to make a guy the best, one of the best heels in the industry. They had a way, they had a golden opportunity to make that top flight heel, that top superstar that the company needs. Cause right now they don't have, they don't have a superstar other than Marty Skrull and the Briscoes. I, I'm trying to think of who else. Maybe Kenny King, but I wouldn't put him as a top star. You didn't. No, I wouldn't either. Um, I mean, I, I love Kenny King, but I but I can't see that he's that he's a top star. Um, I mean, I would not I would not have minded it at all if he'd won the world championship from Jay Lethal in that in that match he had against him, where he actually had Lethal pinned and then the referee screwed it up. You know, but. Um, and I suppose it does hurt because people like Flip and Chris Sabin and those guys are hurt. And yeah, it doesn't certainly doesn't help anything. But but yeah, I mean, 
Ring of Honor seems to be constantly in a rebuilding cycle, and even even after having their greatest year ever last year, it it feels like they're not going to have that great a year again this year. I mean, even, I mean, even looking at the uh, Samstown Arena, it certainly didn't look like that was filled up. No, and they, you I know. mean, they've been they've been struggling with attendance, and just from what I'm seeing on TV, not necessarily. It just they they took a huge step back with the elite leaving, huge step back. They did, and um, I mean they I mean it's, on one hand they probably built their organization too much around the elite, and uh, and SCU. But on the other hand, you know they were the best guys they had, and now the best guys they have that good aren't that great because they didn't they never pushed them or anything. Right, because they were too busy pushing, you know, the seven guys that left. They were too busy pushing them. Yeah. You know, and then, I mean, they did have Punishment Martinez, but he bailed. They were pushing him to be a top star. Adam Cole was another one they were pushing to be a top star, and he left. You know, so it's not, a, it's, they've got to figure it out. I agree. And uh, sooner than later, and they have to get the title off of Jay Lethal. Uh, yep. Okay. I'm okay with that. I agree. Uh, otherwise, like, you know, one of the organizations we named this uh, this show after, um, was you know we, it's, we might, it's, gonna be, it's, it's gonna be you know unwatch, unwatchable for me. We might have to go to. Oh, we can't even do that. Kingdom of MLW. <laughs> major Impact Kingdom. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, Major Impact Kingdom. Yeah, I like that one. Perfect. <laughs> I don't know. I I think they'll figure it out because they've done a good job. I just think they put too many eggs in the seven uh, baskets that left. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm thinking for next week, we should, we should watch like the first, you know, maybe up through when Tom Waller wins the world championship of, of uh, major league wrestling and talk about that next week. Yeah. It's only a along, month. Al- along with the, along with the new Japan cup stuff. Cause he won that on the second. So, right. So we've got about like five episodes to watch or something. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think and that then, would work. And, and then we can, and then maybe the week after we can, we can focus on impact or something. Oh jeez, I haven't watched Impact in months. Well, right, but we were, we were going to start at the beginning of the year for that too. Remember? Yeah, and I haven't. I mean, I haven't even clicked on. I started it, and then something happened in the first three seconds of the of the episode, and I'm like, son of a bitch, I must have missed something major. Oh really? Yeah, as Eddie Edwards comes running. Eddie Edwards. Eddie Edwards came running out in a hospital gown. Oh, everybody wants to see that. Well, I just want to find out what the hell happened. Why is he in a hospital gown? <laughs> but I don't want to go back and watch it all. Well, I'm sure they'll tell you. No. Yeah, maybe. All right. I got nothing else. I don't know what you got. Well, then let's hit, this, then let's hit the social media shit. All right. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow me at Rijikoa. Follow him at ZanmanLOP. Um, also, hashtag Kingdom of Honor. Uh, you know, ask us any questions, any things you want. Um, you know, follow us on Facebook too. I haven't been uh, updating Facebook as much as I want to, but um, I have a plan. You're lazy. You're lazy. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah. We'll go with that. Um, you know, I, there's a lot going on in my own personal life, so. But um, I do have a plan to hopefully get it more active. Um, I was going to talk to Shane offline about it, but I don't know. Uh, I was thinking of doing. Um, almost kind of like what the doc did with his bracket, just taking it in different directions. 
like okay. maybe doing maybe doing a tag team bracket, um, greatest heavyweight champions of all time bracket, that type of thing, and then putting week long um, votes up on Facebook for each round. Yeah, we could give it certainly give it a shot. I, it's just something I was kind of kicking around. I don't know how how we want to do it yet, or I just want to make it a little more interactive. I mean, we've got, you know, a handful of people that message us routinely, which is great. And I, and again, I love the match requests, especially from Ryan and Adam. Um, It's just, I I just want to make it a little more uh, interactive than what we have. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we certainly give it a shot and see, you know, see how it goes. But I mean, if we only if we only invite two people voting, I'm not sure how well that's going to actually go. Yeah, that's the thing. So, so, well, so get the vote out, people. Get the vote out. Wasn't that slogan that one year? Yeah, in like 1984. Well, I was nine that year, so. I think it was 89 when it was rock the vote, and that was cool. Rock the vote, don't rock the vote, baby, rock the vote. That's right. Wow. Up. No, that's not. <laughs> All right, so so we'll talk to you next week about Major League Wrestling, about New Japan Cup, and uh, that's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. Until next time, uh, make sure you take, check out all the other Lords of Pain Radio shows. Tomorrow we have One Nation Radio and Global and uh, the Global Revolution. On Wednesday we have Sports Entertainment is Dead. On Thursday we have the Perfect Ten Wrestling Podcast. On Friday we have the Right Side of the Pond. On Saturday, we have the show that loves to insult Nick Aldis, so I love it, All Elite Rest, all, about All Elite. And on Sunday, we have The Doc Says, and then we'll be back with you next Monday. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights, and Jeff saying goodbye. <laughs>